All right, perfect. Good. What's up, everybody? We're live. Very excited about today's live stream. Got a lot of action-packed stuff going on. We've got costumes. We've got some weapons. We also have protection just to make sure we're extra safe. But very, very excited about the series that we're going to be starting with today's uh, live stream. Um, so like I said, this is the first inaugural episode of The Nerd. We all know about the inner nerd, but it's very important to embrace and share the outer nerd. After 155 live streams in the Data on Kubernetes community, we've had the pleasure of getting to know a lot of different people from lots of different backgrounds who are all working to run stable workloads on Kubernetes. But beyond that, at the end of the day, we're also all people. And that's what makes this stuff fun. As much as artificial intelligence is able to write lyrics and do other things uh, that we've been noticing lately, there are things about community that are very, very human based. And that's why we have these wonderful folks that are joining us today. Um, just want to do some quick introductions. We'll start with you, Fabian. Can you just tell us who you are and where you are? And just a slight quick summary of your background with role-playing games, Dungeons and Dragons, whatever, whatever you prefer. Cool. Yeah, so my name is Fabian Met. I'm the CTO, one of the founders at uh, Fullstack. And, um, yeah, we help companies migrate to cloud native uh, stuff, really cool stuff. But um, what's really cool about uh, RPGs and Dungeons and Dragons, um, for me, I started out doing gaming first, digital gaming, lots of digital gaming, uh, RPGs were my thing. And then at some point, one of my friends introduced me to a game called Pathfinder, which is a branch off of uh, Dungeons and Dragons. Um, and I did a campaign for multiple years with them, uh, meeting up once a week. And then you started out at like uh, nine in the evening and went home at three in the morning. Uh, and I've, I've had so many adventures with those people and it was really, really awesome. Um, yeah, that's uh, my history a little bit. Very, very good. And moving over to you, Avi, what about you? Um, so I'm currently the head of community uh, at a company called Plural.sh. Uh, we help people deploy <clears throat> Uh, deploy Kubernetes clusters and uh, open source apps uh, onto Kubernetes clusters that we help you spin up. Previously, uh, I was actually working with the data on Kubernetes community at my previous company called Airbyte, which mm -hmm. uh, people may know. But um, I got into, uh, very similar to Fabian, uh, I got into uh, Dungeons & Dragons after playing a lot of role-playing games, after playing a lot of, after being just generally... Uh, into a lot of video games. I'm a competitive Super Smash Bros. player. I've, I'm a speedrunner. I, uh, I, I, I speedrun lots of games. I, I've been involved in, in, in multiple gaming communities, but uh, most of all, I, I, I have been uh, playing Dungeons & Dragons for the last eight, eight years, both as a player and as a DM. And I think in, in the same way, I guess, getting together with friends and uh, playing and playing really long hours and uh figuring out venturing problem solving with with them it's it's been a really long journey um both as both as a player and as a creator of these of these adventures so it's it's been a it's been a crazy time all right so you've kind of done done a little bit of everything we'll get a little bit later to how that got involved specifically in your company as well as your role in, in community but last but not least i want to bring on an unexpected guest um kind of like in the hobbit an unexpected visitor we have Chase with us from Erecto, and Chase is here, secondly, which we found out, which is more important, that he's an amazing person, but firstly, because he reached out on LinkedIn. So this is the, you know, the power of jumping into a community, not being afraid, we're all friendly here. Some of us wear you know, tinfoil hats, but I always do. <laughs> uh, but regardless, 
Chase reached out with a really, really nice comment, being able to connect the two between Dungeons and Dragons and Data on Kubernetes. And I really like that parallel. So uh, that being said, Chase, welcome to the Data on Kubernetes community. Great having you with us. Can you tell us a little bit more about who you are, what you do, and perhaps your sweater? Yeah, yeah. So Chase Christensen, I'm currently a solutions architect at Ericto. So they uh, kind of open core MLOps built on Kubeflow. More importantly, I'm a long, long, long term uh, World of Warcraft player. So I started in Wrath of the Lich King, for those who know, you know. I'm currently still playing retail. Um, I decided to join the dark side. I'm a DK. I play Alliance, so don't make fun of me too much. Um, actually, which is funny, I, I started playing games really early on. I actually went to school for game design and development um, at a polytechnic university. I did quality assurance for Activision um, on Call of Duty World War II. So if you beat the game, my name's on it. And I played far too much of that game, um, including like the zombies, like running through the zombies. And, and they wouldn't tell us the secrets, which was hilarious. Even on the QA floor, they're like, we can't tell you how to get that. So um, so yeah, I've been playing that forever. And I got into D&D in, uh, probably eight years ago, or I was at fifth edition when it became a little bit uh, easier. Um, and then if I'm gonna, you know, do hardcore board games, I'm really into like Warhammer 40k, so like the like, you know, that kind of stuff. Mainly, mainly like I don't collect the minis, I don't have infinite wealth, <laughs> but I like the books. Um, so good. Um, we will have plenty to talk about there because as someone who has never played Dungeons and Dragons, has never actually played the tabletop um, War, uh, Warhammer 40k, I'm a huge fan of lore, and yeah. that's something we can definitely talk about later. So that's good. But I guess let's just start it out then. I mean, um, thinking about, you know, what is it that makes these games attractive, right? I mean, I didn't look into the numbers. It would be interesting to see the research. But we're talking about games that are played all over the world. What is it you think, let's take it to a very basic human level. And we'll start with you, Fabian. What, at a basic human level, what is it that games provide that folks find attractive? Also, when it started out, it was the only way to do these adventures with your friends, and now you can do them digitally. But eventually, it, I think it boils down to hanging out with friends, uh, getting challenges, and trying to find these out-of-the-box solutions for them. And uh, you, you'll see a lot of games that give you multiple solutions to problems, but there's really nothing like uh, like the Dungeons and Dragons or the, the Pathfinders of the world that, that give you basically infinite options to tackle a problem. Um, and figuring that out together with your friends, um, it's just really awesome. Great, so problem solving. Uh, that's a good point. I just want to draw a quick parallel. Chase, I'm assuming you're from Minnesota? I am. Do you think that the weather has anything to do with that? And Abby, you are not, so that'll be interesting to contrast. Long winters, it seems like these are games you can play for hours. Is there anything that might influence that? Yeah, I think that there's a, I mean, and that's also in university where you don't have a lot of money. Right, and you're like, hey, it, that's what's also cool about a lot of these. But yeah, Minnesota, there's a huge board game culture because it's cold all the time, right? But I think what's cool about things like D and D is you could either be someone who hand paints all your minis and be, we'll call this artisanal D and D, right? Or there's, hey, I like, I play games where I've literally taken a piece of paper out and I've drawn a circle, like you guys are here, and I draw like an X, and like this is an ogre. <laughs> people are like, people are like, let's do this, <laughs> you know. Mm -hmm. So I think that that's also fun too, because it's like the joy of just being with each other and working with what you've got, but then still like, you know, with our imaginations and, and our, our relationships, we can still have a ton of fun without needing, you know, all the, the gizmos. 
Solid point, and also not falling into the horrendously capitalist uh, black hole of spending infinite amount of money on miniatures, as having friends who have complete Warhammer 40k arm armies and stuff like that. There is a certain appeal to it. There's a collector's aspect, you know, painting. I think it's great. But like you said, I think there's a, there's a very famous picture of a soldier playing. Um, I think it's either, either Dungeon Dragon. I'm not sure what it was, but basically using. Pepsi cans and all sorts of just, you know, household objects to represent different things. So it's more about what it means to you and the story that you're telling. Now, Abby, you grew up playing these games in warmer weather. What was your experience like when you first got started? Um, I actually, my, my first experience with D&D was D&D 1E, which is, I think, a little non-traditional, especially for, you know, for recent times. Uh, it was uh, one of my, uh, one of my good friends brought it to uh, basically the dorms in college and I and we all were a little tentative because we weren't sure about what it was I think a lot of people especially maybe people who are watching this live stream um, and and maybe only hearing about D&D tangentially may not understand what it is or they may think it's like it, it I know it's been in po it, in like popular media media for a bit now but a lot of people may still think it's like oh this is really nerdy or this is uh, not something that I want to do, and there were a lot of those apprehensions, like especially uh, especially in college when people are trying to like find themselves and figure out who they are. It's like, uh, why uh, jump into this and and maybe like label yourself as like too nerdy? But thankfully, we all didn't really care enough about that, and uh, what we found was an opportunity to, I guess. Uh, yeah, tackle, as Fabian said, tackle problems in kind of like an infinite number of ways, right? Uh, in D&D, in because it's kind of like crafted by the dungeon master, there's one person who's not playing the entire time, and their entire goal is to create a world, build a story, help you enjoy it, uh, and kind of uh, not only craft a narrative, but help every every character in the in the party have a meaningful story arc, right? So they're doing a lot of work. There's a lot of heavy lifting going on there. But I think when you look at it from their perspective, they want, uh, and, and especially if you, if you haven't played Dungeons & Dragons before, they are basically ex kind of like expecting you to engage with their world in some, in, in some kind of way. And the way that happens is usually through a lot of strategizing, through a lot of thinking, through a lot of talking, discussion, right? But some people, what they get out of the game is they like they like combat. They like, and that's kind of like the main two parts of D and D, is combat and kind of like the more role play aspect. And for people who are theater nerds or people who like role playing and 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 acting stuff out, they love that part. And for people who like combat and more of the traditional RPG elements, they like that. So in terms, and, and I like that there is this split, and I like that among the people, the groups uh, of the players in the party. Usually you'll have like people are in it for different things, and I think that's cool that you can. Some people can be in it for the combat. Some people can be in it for the role play. Usually, I think good groups I think are, are unified in what they really like, but I'm glad that there's that there's um there's kind of something for everyone in that. But there's this there's this one night every so often that you that you play that the goal is not so much to interact with the game master. It is to make the game master lose his beat. <laughs> yeah. well, right? That's the art. That's the art of DMing. Is like you were saying, there's all these personalities and people have different goals, you know? And it's like the DM might have built this world, 
right? And for those who actually, if anyone here is like stressing out about like getting into D and D, you don't have to build everything from scratch. You can actually buy like on Etsy like campaigns for like five dollars, and they're like or write books. Yeah, they're awesome. Just the essentials kit. Yeah, so people just like write these campaigns for fun, and you can buy them. And there's even I believe there's like open source ones, which is super cool. So there's definitely ways to get involved. But there is this world like as a DM of you trying to make everyone happy with their personalities and your world and you can't tell them how to solve the problem right like there was there was one uh one story that i had is that there was a guard right and i was like trying to convince the guard like to get them through the guard and one person was like let's just kill the guard another person was like well let's just let's negotiate with them right and they ended up killing the guard and i was like okay well now all the other guards are coming so they decided someone had a really really high um they had really high charisma the other person was really good at deception so they tried to hold up the dead guard's body and pretend like weekend at Bernie, the guard <laughs> to try to stop the other people and as a DM. I was like, Oh, sorry. I didn't write down in my notes, like puppeteer the dead guard to get through the gate. So it's really fun. Cause then like the combat person got what they wanted. But then the other people are like, let's, let's not, let's try to trick people. And so you do have to be fast on your feet. Um, in both roles. And that's why it's fun. That's a great point. And, and going and going deeper on the, the side of, the the fact of you know working in environments where there's uncertainty and in an, i think i think that's a really important thing actually so let's just, let's just let's just hone in on that really quickly the importance of working in environments and uncertainty because i said sort of in the description when we were promoting this the you know that we also want to talk about the parallels in, in the work world and i think you know we've, we've been through a COVID pandemic or we're still going through it whatever you want to call it uncertainty has sort of been the name of the game uh for quite a while and you can say there have been various moments in human history where in 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 a collective sense or an individual sense uh, life guarantees uncertainty and this these games provide an element of spontaneity where things can happen in the moment and where you get to influence change what do you think the importance of that is abby um I think it's really important because a lot of times, like when you're faced with problems in the work in the work in the in the workspace, like you or in the workplace, you are often faced with things that don't feel uh, real or don't feel insurmountable. And there is a nice part, and I <clears throat> I don't want to like play this play this up too much because I I think. I think it's okay for there to not be like a very clear one-to-one -one application of these of these it, it doesn't need to be applicable in order for it to be valuable mm -hmm. but there are moments um there are moments in time where like you f your imagination and the way that you can approach things and it, it being able to to be used to approaching impossible problems or with your imagination is something that we actually don't exercise a lot right mm -hmm. so that kind of creative exercise and that kind of creative um, thinking is so valuable in approaching in, 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 in approaching problems, whether that's in software or whether that's in uh, community building, uh, like thinking about like how to get around things, how to, how to uh, basically do something that seems impossible. And I think doing the impossible is what you do every time you, you kind of, you put on the role play hat and you start to <laughs> you you and you you make sometimes you make impossible roles so for in D&D whenever you want to do something you usually roll a stat and the DM tells you whether you've succeeded or failed and the nice part about D&D is unless it's ridiculous it's 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 kind of always possible to do things which is crazy because in the, it's it's kind of different from the real world where like 
uh, if you there's there's like a boulder falling on you and um, you're probably squished, right? But in D and D, if you roll the right if you roll the right thing, like you survive and you figure and, and and you figure it out, which is and that's and I think having that mentality that oh every everything is possible with some creativity or imagination, I think is very very useful for my especially for my line of work where um, in community where things are the next goal or the next thing to climb over isn't necessarily obvious very very good point and going back through the the idea of you know art versus science and there are there are certain things that are quantifiable and, and can very much be directed in a way that might make things seem very black and white but then there's another area that's totally different and where it is much more open to possibilities fabian in your case and now bringing it you know we are the data on kubernetes community there, there's been an, an immense amount of uncertainty regarding these technologies and is Kubernetes ready for stateful workloads and many naysayers that we still encounter today where you see slide presentations where you're just saying, don't do it. And because of the uncertainty it can cause for the business, things of that nature. You are in your work as a CTO, you must encounter a lot of organizations that might be resistant to change in general and that element of uncertainty and getting them to imagine the world in a different way is that something that you interact with regularly or is it something you like to do more often? Yeah, no, very much. Um, these insurmountable uh, problems that you get in Dungeons and Dragons, um, I actually feel we have them in IT every day. So it could be technological, it could be social skills. Um, the, the, the goal first is making sure that everybody sees the same problems and then looking to your um, party members to see what you could do. So let me give you a D&D story that might be applicable. When I started playing out Pathfinder, so that's like a version of Dungeons and Dragons, I started playing out Pathfinder, I had no idea what I was doing. And <clears throat> I created a monk. And it turns out monks are only viable after level three. And for everybody not familiar with this, it takes like a long time to get to level three for the first time. You have to do a lot of stuff. So here I was, there was three goblins down the road and our party was very well, very ill-equipped, first time playing, but I was a monk and I could, could hardly do anything. Yeah, I only had my fist, um, but it turns out the warrior next to me had a really high strength stat, meaning he could lift and throw stuff. And me being just a monk, I was very light. I also had a grappling hook and I just put a few of those things together, turned around to the other guy he said hey can you throw me and then he looked at his test and went like yeah i can actually throw you and then i figured out how i could use the grappling hook to get these uh goblins to bounce into each other so uh what does that what does that have to do with these insurmountable it problems is that one you're never going to do it alone two you got to make sure that everybody's seeing the same problem and then three think of the most fun way to actually solve that problem I love that. And I think that last element is one that might be forgotten too often. That is if, like, oh, if it's a work thing, it can't be fun. Of course it can be fun. I mean, this is a silly example, but thinking about role playing, if you've ever seen the movie, uh, the film Life is Beautiful, where a father is with his son in a concentration camp and turns it into a sort of game. So the son sees things in a different ways of, of you know, getting through in basic survival. I think there are many, many examples in which that would be applicable. But like you said, if People aren't seeing the same thing. If one person has an idea like, oh, this is probably a three out of 10 on the scale of problems that another person might see it as much more important. But establishing that groundwork and knowing that you're interacting with different roles, as you said previously, 
there are some folks that are just going to run in there and want to do combat and others that want to have a, a deeper story really dive um, more into the, the, the fantasy side of things and finding that balance and making sure that everyone's strengths are being activated. First of all, you have to know what those strengths are. As you said, I'm a monk and I have certain abilities and someone next to me has others. I'm very aware of the many, many things that I'm not good at <laughs> and I'm constantly reminded. And, and so I think it's, I think there's a lot to be said for that. And also with, with communities, you know, some, and, and I get these, you know, we get questions a lot from people like, I want to get involved, like, what can I do? And that's where you even have, you know, in the CNCF awards, like chop wood and carry water. You know, there are some things that are done behind the scenes that aren't really pretty, but someone's got to do it. And there are other things that might be more forward facing that require a certain type of personality, but that doesn't make that job more important than others. So I think understanding the, the collective importance in communities, as well as companies, I was listening to something today where they're talking about every company is also a community, if, if you think about it that way. So when companies are approaching the community thing, it's like, well, you already have, you know, in the sense of what are the actions that I want community members to be to be doing so that it, it you know, generates more value, things of that nature. So I, anyway, I really, I really like the things that you mentioned there. Now to take this a little bit further, because you mentioned some of the, what you mentioned some of the skills. Chase, before we started the call, you were mentioning a particular case where someone from where World of Warcraft played a role in uh, a talent process. Oh, there was so there's a. Are you talking about the the resume story that I yes. shared? Yes. So I don't. It's someone. I don't know if it's a CEO of Starbucks or some high. There's a famous article where he says, "Why well, put World of Warcraft on my resume?" And he talks about how there's all these things within role playing games that people you know that that can cause tension and also bring you all together is that there is this community aspect where we're all relying on each other. We want everyone to show up. We want to make sure that we can organize things and we want to be work around people's schedules, right? Here's a raid night, but you know, you don't just set it in stone. You say, Hey, who's available, right? So part of all these skills that you might not think about, you think of, Oh, you just mirrored, you know, slinging spells. There's a really important aspect of it of actually developing community and making sure everyone can show up, not just should they show up, but how do we make it easy for people to show up? and work together. Because um, like in all relationships, there's give and take, right? Sometimes it's, it's easier for some people to make some nights the other. Um, but I would like to offer you this for your, for your conversation about uncertainty, right? I would say the number one skill, and this is going to tie everything together, even obvious, the number one skill um, of D&D &D is that it teaches you to keep rolling, right? So uh, a boulder is coming at me. You know, I'm going to roll. Right? I might get a one, you know, my team might have to deal with it, but no matter what happens after that boulder, I'm going to roll again, right? You're going to keep your aware of your friends, no matter how bad those dice come, you're going to keep on rolling. And I think that that's a skill that people learn that it's okay to fail, right? People learn, like you can almost, you know, you, Abby had mentioned that some people in college don't want to play because they can't find themselves, but really an RPG gives you a way to be whatever you want. Give it a trial run, right? There's no costs here roll the dice, solve some problems. And I think that this can help people overcome this like problem with like innovation and community of like imposter syndrome, right? Like when I see people doing these talks, I don't see them as an authority. I see them saying, listen, this is what some way I solved a problem. They're rolling a dice. They're saying this was successful. And we're all trying to come together to say, that's really great. You've got your perspective. I've got my perspective. And as a community, we're trying to take all these things, all these dice rolls together and find a way to help solve this bigger problem, this, you know, this level 20 <laughs> dragon that we're all trying to get to. So that's my argument, is that the real value is, is to teach you to keep on rolling together um, to solve these problems. And I think that that's, you know, you don't have to get it right the first time. It's okay if someone misses, you know? 
solid think, lesson. I think yeah. very few people do get it right the first time, right? You know, behind every, we, we see the, you know, the massive, the, the glitter and whatever everything's exciting yeah. when something's going really well. We don't see that behind that. There's a lot of trial and error and frustration. I think innovation by nature means failing or that things aren't going right. to work exactly. And then you go back to the drawing board. If you don't learn from those mistakes, if you don't extract you know, things that you can apply in the future, that is the true failure. You know, there isn't going to be a retro and say, well, what went wrong? And I could, once again, have a long list of things I can mention that have gone wrong. And so I think that's that's a very, very powerful point. Now in... In your case, you know, because if we're just thinking about role playing, is is there because Abby, you've been involved in lots of other communities with Smash Brothers, with video games, with things of that nature. Are there crossover points that we see in both, or are there things that are really unique RPGs that are kind of left alone for you in that area? Um, <clears throat> I think the biggest crossover, and I think the point that I wanted to follow up um, on 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 Chase's point was in terms of like not just rolling but rolling together right and i think the that is something i think new players of dungeons and dragons fail to understand i think for the first like few years um and this is very this is very much me included when i first started playing dungeons and dragons i was treating it like a single player game and not really saying like oh like there's other people on the party everyone was kind of out for themselves everyone was like how am I going to make my character more powerful? How am I going to fulfill the things that I want to do and I want to I want to create for myself? Or how do I <clears throat> how do I do my story arc, right? And it's actually very unfulfilling to do to do something to kind of just be focusing on yourself and just only think about how you're gonna further your own story and your own character. But um rolling and rolling together is and and just the whole concept of that is pretty much just like how are we all going to contribute to something that cr that creates a unifying narrative that all that where we all had some kind of important role in pushing us forward and i think when i work together and i think about my role my my role in in teams and in my company today and i think this is this applies for for many other gaming communities too because it can be very common like for example in the speedrunning community if you come into like a, a, a speedrunning community for the for those that don't know what speedrunning is, it's trying to finish a video game or something as fast as possible. A lot of people like come in and don't share information with people, or they don't try to create educational resources, or they don't try to um, help other people or or celebrate other people for their wins. They only want to come in, get the high score, and do something, and, and just do something, check check some box off for themselves, and then leave, right? Uh, in the same way, Dungeons and Dragons is is like that. You you the, what you put into what you put into it and how you support and lift up your other players is pretty much what you're going to get out of it. And in the workplace, you can actually find a lot of people kind of going through that and figuring it, that out for themselves because they haven't had that opportunity to figure it out in D and D. In the sense that they're playing this single player game at work, and they're and they're trying to level up their stats and and it, it in their own way and. They're not celebrating their teammates. They're not. Um, they're they're not helping other people where they can. They're not creating these educational resources, internal docs, or and and I, and I think that's that's probably the most uh, one of the biggest things that that I think I took uh, that I take away from not only like Dungeons and Dragons, but pretty much any any gaming communities. There's things that don't cross over for sure. Um, but that from the community aspect, I think that's probably one of the most important things. Very, very strong point and uh, essentially 
folks that aren't looking to build winning situations where lots of other people can 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 become successful and, and participate in that I think stand out pretty quickly and I'm not going to say that I haven't encountered people like that and unfortunately I would say probably too many and some of the, some of the reasons and but at the same time I think that one of the things that I feel very lucky to be a part of the CNCF and going back to those different things about skills is that I am not going to be the person that's going to be on the release team writing, you know, something around a deprecation or something like that. That's not going to be me. Yet at the same time, it's a diverse enough group where different skills are appreciated that precisely there are lots of different ways in which people can be successful and that you really enjoy it when other people from all walks of life and all different backgrounds are being able to partake in that. Um, so I think that's I think it's a very, very good point. And what, and once again, as someone who hasn't played Dungeons and Dragons, you know, and you get pieces of it from things like Stranger Things, where they bring it in to sort of show a little bit about give give people that may not have familiarity with it, you know, how it looks. And this, you know, this team aspect of where everyone is in and on it together, and that you care about your teammates, and what Chase mentioned previously that despite having difficult circumstances, you know you're surrounded by folks who care. So creating those kind of environments where at work all of us are going to have bad days. All of us are going to make mistakes and knowing though that you have people nearby that are ready and willing to help because they know that they're going to be in a situation of need at some point um, this goes back to another thing about cold weather not to say and i'm from the west coast so i mean i'm not trying to speak badly about people from places where it's warm but in cold weather environments you know your car is going to break down you know that the road is going to be frozen over and so there's a sort of there is i do think there's a different community i don't want to say better or worse but different community sense because people know they will have to rely on each other. Um, circumstantially, the, these are things that will just probably happen. But anyway, we can talk more about it. It's getting cold here in the north of Spain, so I'm not, <laughs> we're, not, we're not exempt. Um, now, let's, let's see other aspects where we can, we can take this further. What are some of the nerdiest things that you've seen while playing role-playing games? Just think of anything, whether it's acting, whether it's combat. What are some of the like, top moments you're like, Wow, that really even exceeded my expectations when it came to nerdiness. Fabian, we'll start with you. And if you wouldn't, you, if you wouldn't mind, could you please take a sword down from the wall while you answer the question? That didn't take long. Yes, yes, I can. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, it's not so much nerdy, but it does uh, point out a very important thing: is that you should still have a sense of humor, um, uh, because the, there was this one story where. So if you do this for multiple years, then eventually there's going to come that night where you uh, just feel like having a few drinks with your friends, but you already plan to do Dungeons and Dragons. So you end up uh, getting drunk and annoying the game master. So there was this one story, and this is uh, coming back to the whole humor part because he didn't have any at that point. Um, is he, he had this whole campaign planned out. He, he took a week to, to build it, and uh, we started out in a tavern. And uh, we were already a little bit drunk at that time uh, in, in real life, right? Um, and we didn't want to leave the tavern because we were having a good time role-playing there, which is rather nerdy if you think about it, but we were having fun. Um, and he wanted us to start doing things. So he asked us, don't you want to go outside and see what I prepared for you? We're like, nah. Uh, so eventually he sent in some marauders uh, who were a little bit too powerful for us, but we got lucky with some rolls. So just keep rolling. Right, we killed the marauders. Um, the bartender decided to cut us off because he was also controlled by the game master. So we decided to lock the bartender in the basement and take over the bar. Then the game master got so annoyed that he burnt the bar down, 
and then coming back to <laughs> thinking outside the box and uh, having humor is uh, I, I we stepped out of those burning uh, the burning pile of uh, rubble. I look around and we're in the middle of a wood and I had an axe, and I turned to the game master. I can I go, can I chop wood? And he said, yes, you can. Great. So I turn around to the rest of the party. Shall we rebuild the bar? Which is what we did. We re- rebuilt the bar, and the game master was uh, not amused, uh, but the rest of us were. So uh, yeah, keep humor in there, uh, and it was pretty nerdy to uh, <laughs> to role play all evening. Not not one real actual one fight, and the rest of it was just uh, role playing, building a bar. But even if it comes down to that, the obviously this happens quite some time ago. You still remember it, and and, and that's what sticks. You know the, these shared moments. Epic. Yeah, shared moments and using creativity, and also sort of. You know, doing both things simultaneously while you know acting, you know, pretending to do something that you're actually doing is pretty interesting. Uh, so that's good. All right, uh, Abby, what about you? Anything particularly nerdy that stood out over time? Um, I'll offer a uh, a story from the other side of the of the DM screen, um, where I where my players were were, I think, basically conspiring to make my life miserable. Uh, <laughs> which is what they do <laughs> and um I, I think probably probably one of the nerdiest things that happened was is that because D is governed by a set of rules and as a dm you can choose to use any of those rules or choose to throw out any of these those rules right you are the ultimate arbiter of what of what happens right but a lot of the times you're not controlled by yourself because you don't want to uh, exert your influence over the game so much that your players feel like they're unable to do things, right? So you want to leave your players some some level of freedom so you don't really decide the rules. It's more like fun often decides the rules, right? So um, sometimes that can get in the way of, a, of, of, like, of a good game because sometimes the rules can be manipulated in ways that you never really thought that they could. Um, there was one time where, so for, for most, uh, for people that don't know, uh, in D and D, you take in combat. You take turns attacking. Like so, every creature in combat takes turns, and combat lasts. Every round of combat lasts six seconds. So when you're playing out in role playing combat, what you're essentially doing is you're sort of um, describing in full. So you're taking turns describing in full of what elapses in six seconds, right? Um, the problem is, is that D and D doesn't have a cap on how many creatures can be evolved in combat, and so there's a lot of like weirdness around uh, around the physics or around how does this actually happen in six seconds? Like, but they had to figure out a time period in order for combat to like make sense, right? So, and this, so this arbitrary value of six seconds was created. What this can mean is that an infinite amount of things can theoretically happen within six seconds. Meaning that the laws of physics, uh, other than magic existing and lots and lots of other things, the laws of physics are completely out the window. So the players decided to find. They found this Reddit post online of this of of, of this way that completely breaks the game, uh, where you get a thousand people to stand in a line, and in one round of combat, enter combat, and one round of combat, pass an object from one person to to each other. It that all happens in one round of combat. Now, if you're not familiar with physics, if you're if you're basically the if you if you're if the acceleration that's caused from basically a thousand people passing an object 
from one person to each other at, at, uh, in a thousand times in six seconds, which is the most important part, that theoretically would create a railgun in in uh in in D D. And at any point I could have said I, I and I and I did say no to it. But the problem was is that I said no to it. And I said I said this fails for some reason because basically what they were gonna do is that I'd set up this entire story. I'd set up they were about one third through my entire story. And there was this castle that was being guarded by this like this, this this basilisk that was definitely not possible for the players to fight but they wanted to fight it anyway because they found this idea on reddit and they wanted to use it so they tried they 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 spent all their time instead of interacting with my world gathering a thousand people to basically hand off this cannonball it to just basically violate the, the rules of the game and i said no but turns out, but they had a favor from God, because they just happened to have gotten a favor from one of the gods of D and D in That's a awesome. previous session, and they decided this was the time they wanted to use it. And the thing is, is that I wasn't the only DM here. There were like three. There were three of us that were all DMing, and the time that they wanted to use that was on this one instance to make this thing happen. And so they fired this cannonball, this railgun, into the into the castle, blew open basically the entire doors, and and all and like exploded one half of the castle. And I made and and I'm and then I brought out the final boss because like what am I supposed to do? That's what's gonna happen. And they skipped two thirds of the content that I had prepared, and 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 and. and, and and, it, this, and this was supposed to happen over like like two months. Like this is, right. and this is something that I'd spent so much. And I like hand prepare all of my creatures. I don't use any of like the monster monster manual creatures. I do everything homebrew. And they skipped all of it. And I have to reconcile this that there are. I am only one of seven people that are playing at this table, and I have to really swallow this. Of course, I sent the really powerful creature after them, and they, and someone died in that fight. Only one person did, but like, so they they definitely paid some cost for it. But like, you have to understand that like, this is something you're doing with a bunch of other people, and at some point you have to like, say okay, if the entire party wants to do this, you need to go, you need to go along with them, you need to go along with them for like the the fun of this, even if it, even if you have to swallow right. your pride and all of this preparation that you've done. So yeah, it's it's a very interesting dynamic. And I think when you think of tons of examples in the workplace where things like that might do, you know, where we work really hard, we're very invested in something, and then a group of other people, for whatever reason, you could have the most amazing thing put together and something just doesn't click and you can get caught up on it, or I, I am, because I take things very personally and it causes a lot of, you know, pain and stress. But like you said, other times you just have to go along with it. In that sense too, what I find interesting about these things is the notion of, like you said, physics six seconds you know we all remember when your kids like oh you know like you're you're playing bows and arrows and like i got you but you know it's it's imaginary it's invisible so how can you say whether or not it happened or it takes us to you know the dumb and dumber quote of you can't triple stamp a double stamp you know things like that you can't right. make when there are no rules but there still are uh chase what do you think about that yeah i, I think that that's the fun i mean it's the the 
tug of war between the DM and it, and their party is great because it is a battle of imagination and wits. And, you know, it's funny because, you know, that railgun is an example of normally the DM's kind of smug, right? The famous quote is, well, you can try, right? And I, that's with new players, right? They always look at me. They're like, yeah, I'm going to try to see if I can see them through this beer bottle. Can I try to use this as a telescope? you can try and then you tell them to roll some number and in your head it's so arbitrary you know and in your head you're like yeah there's a one in 84 million chance that this works you know like you're a farmer you're gonna try to build a telescope to, like to see a moon like you can try like and you know if you have with D, the favor of the gods which by the way i love the visual of this god sitting up in their like clouds and some people are like hey we want to build a railgun by passing this object. We're going to use our favor. <laughs> and he's like, you know, paper is good. They stamp it. <laughs> Six seconds, you can pass this object through. But, I mean, that's the fun. That's the fun uh, of the, the uncertainty can be scary. Change is alarming. But it, it and, you know, and it, it embraces our ego. You know, as, as a solutions architect, you know, you build prototypes all the time. And sometimes it's not what you're looking to do. And you got to just say, okay, let's figure this out. Um, but then the other side of innovation is doing things and seeing things you didn't expect can be really cool and valuable. And yeah, you, you might have wasted, not wasted, but two months went out the door. Well, you've got a really great story now, you know, and then that, that moment is really hard. So people make campaigns for years and don't have a really great moment in story. So I think in the end, you did get a really great return having that moment that you can share with people. And then you can always look at that story and be like, is this gonna be like a railgun moment where we're gonna try to, you know, so it's awesome. Yeah. A quote that I like a lot from uh, Frank Zappa, who's one of my favorite guitarists and very weird and out there, but also very innovative. The quote was, I think is, uh, without, without deviation from the norm, progress is not possible. And so right. if we're always just, you know, status quo, status quo, status quo, we're not gonna get anywhere. And I think we're all familiar with the, the importance of pushing things out there, as you, as you said, prototypes, things breaking and just being okay with that and it's not the end of the world and that you can take a chance. And I think also too, what makes these things so fun is the very fact that rules can just be broken, they can be bent, they can be twisted. You can have a favor from God to create with this a real good, these six second things. And that's one of the things as well too that I enjoy about Warhammer 40K is that there are a lot of memes where someone will say like, so someone's telling someone about Warhammer 40K and they ask, okay, so who are the good guys? And the response is, we don't do that. <laughs> like, it doesn't exist. Like, forget it. Everyone's everyone's horrendous in their own way. Right. Um, everything is just this close to completely falling apart, and a mixture of of lots of different, you know, medieval European history, the Spanish Inquisition, lots of stuff being thrown together. And at the end of the day, some of it just so dark that it becomes comical. And then there's a sense of humor that's built into it, and it's kind right. of relieving in a way because a lot of things in life uncertainty or scary you're like well i deal with that through warhammer 40k right did yeah, you know and, and, that there is a dungeons and dragons variant of warhammer 40k Ooh, yeah know. instead of rolling to see if you hit you roll to see how much you hit how many enemies you wipe out it is amazing interesting that's interesting i think that, that sounds very 40k <laughs> yeah you know bart yeah. you had said what's your favorite nerdy moment in a game but I think the other side of the things is that we get, and at least I get a lot of joy of when things from games come out into the real world, right? And I think that's where you get this community. Like, you know, when you see someone and you make a quote, you know, you quote one of your games, you do one of the catchphrases, you know, time's up, let's do this for like Leroy Jenkins. And someone looks at you, you know, and it's like, 
you know, those moments are really mm. great too. And even like, you know, you were talking about the po- the post I made where I was talking about like D and D and Kubernetes. Like, I think there is a joy in the community of having that. Like, wow, people understood like a D and D Kubernetes crossover joke. That's really fun. So I think there's joy in like learning these these communities and then bringing them external and being like, hey, you know, <laughs> you you know the handshake, but then it's also like. Hey, you should all like. We want more people. That's the difference between like you know gaming communities and a lot of communities is we want more people. It's like no, no, we want you to get the joke. <laughs> like, come on in, learn about the emperor. <laughs> you know, so yes, I think there's a lot and of value. People there. should learn about the emperor because the emperor protects. But apart yeah. from that, but it's true though is that I think and I think the the greater lesson here is what we're and why we started this spinoff series is to encourage people. Hence the outer nerd to encourage people to be open about these things. And I think. I feel like I'm very lucky to be in this community where, you know, I can show up to a live stream dressed like this and know it, and people are going to actually encourage her to think it's fun and it's cool. And that being said, I don't really need to stay, need to stay safe and bring back my shield. This is like a nightmare for lighting. But, uh, but yeah, and I think that, but I, I really do. And obviously it's no secret that in our community with like, you know, rap videos and music and like all this kind of stuff. And I'm not saying that every, but I think everyone has to find something that they're comfortable with that represents them and encourages people to do the same thing. Because the more that we get to know each other as people, you know, it's, and that's why, you know, having worked in talent management in the past, I was like, I know where you went to university. That's great. But like, tell me about what you like to do in your free time or show me that project that you built in your, on, on GitHub in, in, you know, just for fun, where it's an application to judge Spanish omelets between you and your friends. That says a lot about person. Um, a lot more in many cases than where you went to university. Yes, university is important, but if that's going to be the only thing we're, we're looking at. So I think as, as much as possible to try to make these things visible. Um, we are getting a little bit, not super close to the end, but kind of. And the, the very thing that started this conversation in the first place was because of being at, uh, was talking to Abby and looking at their uh, design for the open sorcerer, which is a really cool, really cool name. And we were saying before is that, and I'm not, I'm not questioning this, but I would be interested to see if it, was there any like, copyright issues with that had anybody taken that already as a as a name in anywhere i couldn't really find it i think i saw this one thing done by red hat um but who cares uh, for, and, and i think i think there's no <laughs> we love you red hat our sponsor <laughs> there is some group called the open sorcerers but um i think we i did I, the the actual character the the sorcerer uh singular our, our product is called plural so i thought it'd be funny to create a uh a, a character called Singular, and I think they they are a, they are a representation. I think of like of, of very much like what a a D and D sorcerer is, and I, I really I really like the uh, the concept space, the design space that I got to play with. Obviously, my team gave me um, and uh, my uh, both both our, our head of design and and uh, and my team gave me full reign with creating with creating that and using that design space, which I was really happy that I did. I think it's cool bringing that, bringing those elements in. I think there's there's a lot of crossover between the themes of like creativity and uh, and I guess feeling empowered. And I think the the feeling empowered, especially with with like people, especially with a lot of SaaS products, like uh, threatening to get, I guess like take away your your control over your own infrastructure. I love that. I I loved the angle of saying, hey, like become self empowered to to have control over your destiny and your own infrastructure. And a lot of those elements and themes definitely cross over with like with D and D and with like and and it's kind of, and that is essentially sort of nerdy to like to to, to make to make to, to make a crossover. But I thought I thought it was 
but it's so relevant. It's just so relevant. And I think people really understand, people really identify with that, with that these days. And I wanted to do something that I would be excited about, right? I want to do something that other people would be excited about in a similar way. And finding these moments of joy, like you were saying, Bart, like making things fun. And like, I think, I think this is something that both Chase and, and Fabian like, like brought up. And I think, and sometimes like life is just simple as just like, as just sitting at a bar and then rebuilding it when it burns down, right? Because like I, I, I do think that like sometimes we overcomplicate things. Sometimes we don't do things because we sometimes we don't do things that are supposed to be really fun because or supposed to, or really simple because we want to chase something else. But I think I think a lot of the joys in life are really simple. So and I, I, I think that's that's captured really well in a lot of in a lot of things that we do, and I, I, and actually, I do really like the Fabian. I do really like that story specifically because I think most of like the, I know I'm going on tangents here, but most of the fun that I've had, I think, in D and D is just kind of like sitting around and just, mm-hmm. and just, and just is kind of like shooting the breeze with friends, and I, and and there's and there's a lot of like really si- silly interactions that I often remember more than maybe some of the most epic combat uh, scenarios, and a lot of this energy um, was ch- was channeled into why i like using that design space for our for our community assets but like but i i I do think that that like a lot of times like people would be afraid to bring that into the workspace or bring that in like to to agreed yeah and and it's like but and which is why i was like uh, i just didn't think about it i was just like i don't know sounds fun let's do it right so scratch the itch right um i'm someone who like definitely wears their I, I want to normalize it. I think it's something that we should all, we, there's nothing to be like embarrassed about. There's nothing to be like, I think a lot of people, what it is, is that if they don't provide this ethos or this uh, this facade that they're kind of like working all the time and they're only thinking about work, that they maybe seem like a worst employee or, but really it's definitely the opposite. <laughs> um, it's really the opposite because the more well-rounded you are, the more that you are getting fulfillment and the more likely you are to I guess just be a productive person and a and uh, and an active employee. It's like you, if you're if you're happy and you're fulfilling your dreams, I don't think you're. I I think you're going to be doing better for your company anyway. So I think it's always good to be really. Obviously, there's limits. I think there's it's like there's 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 limits to 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 everything. But like I think I think it's really valuable, especially because when you share these things, other people start becoming more comfortable to share stuff about them and to share their hobbies, right? right? So. Precisely. I think it's and so bringing the open source or design it, I think is like one step of that for me definitely. So I've got one really really important question for you, Abby. Uh, can I get a shirt somewhere with the open sourcer? I want to be an open sourcer. You you can actually. Uh, we we did a limited run print of like of with the with the, with the sourcer on the back where it's, it says like become an open sourcer on the back. I'll I'll get I'll get one I'll get some printed and I'll send one over to you. <laughs> Please do. We're gonna rock them in the Netherlands. Yeah, yeah, Are you yeah, planning yeah. on doing an open sorcerer community D&D campaign? You see that would be that would be pretty cool and I think I think y'all would be invited if we were to <laughs> <laughs> be like our own little critical role. All right. I mean that'd be sweet like a data and kubernetes one. And I, it there. doesn't have to be kubernetes themed, but it'd be <laughs> awesome. Just to have a... That that would be pretty cool. Um, yeah. I'm in. I mean, yeah, as, as if, as I'm, if I'm definitely in. in. Yeah. I uh, I may get a bigger hammer, but <laughs> the rest the rest will stay exactly the same. 
I think Bart, um, yeah, Bart, we have to, the next DOK day, if, we all, if we're all in KubeCon at the same time, we'll, uh, <laughs> we can make that part of the production. Well, no, no, and last. I think, and, that, and that's, and the thing is, and I have to say this as a constructive criticism regarding KubeCon, is that, because I got to hang out with you, Abby. Uh, Chase, were you at KubeCon in Detroit? I was. Okay, oh, I guess we, we missed each other, but like, you know, it was Halloween, and we had a booth, and so we dressed up like uh, Doc Stars, you know, DOK, Rockstar, Doc Star. And I was expecting, I, 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 I was expecting to not, I wasn't expecting to be one of the only people in costume. And I was a little bit surprised by that because there's this sort of dichotomy of KubeCon being, you know, a sort of nerd event, or is it really a business event? And, you know, there, there's this push and pull relationship there. And and I understand that some people they're they're maybe a little a little bit afraid to do things that might be a little bit different because they but at the same time then people are putting stickers in the bathroom walls and trying to do some sort of you know guerrilla marketing so you have you have a little bit of that but then because for me my background in terms of community building was with in person meetups and we knew from the very beginning we were gonna have live music. We were gonna collaborate with a craft beer company and we were gonna donate, um, we were gonna donate stuff to, to different charities. And that if we didn't do it, that we wouldn't, we just were not going to do meetups because if we weren't gonna have fun, then we didn't think other people would be having fun. So it's always like try to, try to build the event or environment of something that you would like to go to yourself. And from there, from by extension, my first contact with really big tech events, if you get a chance, I'll leave the link in here is, um, here in the in the in the north of Spain where I live, they have an annual event called the Euskal Encounter, which has about which attracts about five to seven thousand people that spend the night in like a huge pavilion, and they have soft combat and they have tabletop games and they have all these different kinds of things, and that was my sort of first contact with major like large scale events. But it's not it's basically just a big nerd fest where people get together. There's right. a lot of gaming, but like I said, all these other things. And they have, you know, a museum for retro games, and it's it's absolutely massive. In the past, people used it, you know, to download video games and books and like all that kind of stuff. Like that's what a lot of it was about, all legally. Um, but but like I said, the the sort of community vibe and where everyone's there to have a good time, and no one's there to bother anybody else, and everyone's there to be supportive and interested and engaging and learning new things. That's something that I consider to be very very special, and that I haven't found as much in other areas in life. And so it's it's something that. Abby said, everyone has to find their, their, their comfort zone, the way that's gonna work best for them. But I really encourage people that the more you can get these things, like what you just told us, Abby, the backstory behind, some people might go to the website, they're like, oh, open sorcery, like that's clever. But there's actually a lot more to it than that. And in the past, well, not just in the past, but like my whole life, I've always been very interested in Greek mythology. I got my undergraduate degree in religious studies at the same university as Abby, which is an interesting coincidence. But um, I'm just way older than he is because I'm old. But like I said, those things are things for me that I've always been naturally curious about. It's like, why can't you have both at the same time um, in the sense of what what they're doing at Plural and bringing in these elements and in other places as well, too. So I. I really encourage folks to do that because if not, a lot of this stuff gets really, really repetitive and it just, you it's know, hard. marketing, marketing copy and marketing copy. And I do understand that it is tricky when we're talking about things that aren't tangible and bringing them down to earth and try to make them relatable to other people. But I think it's worth the effort. I definitely do. Um, so yeah, that's my TED talk for the day. Uh, we are just about out of time though, uh, from the time that we had allotted. Our next session will be on January 9th, and we're gonna be diving into literature. We already have one person who's confirmed who got really into Russian literature at the age of 12, 
and then got a PhD later on in materials specializing in nuclear fusion. And this is not an exaggeration. Her name is Carla, and she works at Timescale, and she's amazing. And so now I'm trying to recruit some other folks that are into literature. But like I said, these are things that initially we talked about doing these once a month. I think we have enough people to definitely do them more often than that. And I would like to do so as well. Um, do any of you find humans have anything coming up? I know Fabian is speaking at an event in February, leading a workshop about what? Uh, how do you do edge computing at the uh, Civil Very, very good. All right. And what do you do? You know the dates on that? I, it's okay. I got it. February seventh and February eighth. Yep. Yeah, I believe so. Very yeah. Good. And I have a debate going up tomorrow as well. I'm going to debate go. against uh, DevOps being dead. Ooh, or actually for DevOps being that, yeah, it's going to be some debate. Oh, so you're going to bring your sword and cut DevOps. Oh, that's why they're hanging there. Yeah, <laughs> they're ready. ready to go. <laughs> that's a good, that's good. That's good. DevOps and platform engineering. This is, this is a very heated debate. Chase, what about you? Yeah, I actually don't have anything coming up. The, my, that's the, a good thing. That's a very good thing. It's good. Lots I've got, <laughs> I can get caught up for mythic, mythic rating starting up, but um, no, my, my, the thing I'm looking towards is right, trying to get KubeCon talks, right? They've been some, it's my divine favor <laughs> to see if one of them gets picked. So, I don't want a rail gun, but can you give me a KubeCon I'm talk? Like, I'm like, hey, you know, KubeCon talk, rail gun, we can barter, you know? <laughs> so that's, that's good. That's good. All right. Well, hopefully, hopefully some good luck there. And Abby, what about yourself? Um, I'm mostly spending a lot of my time right now just building out the plural community. So, uh, you want to check us out on github uh plural sh slash plural that's what i'm doing <laughs> all right so plenty busy with that and no stranger to community building this is a talk uh i really enjoyed it i hope you did as well i think it's going to be a, a great podcast i don't know how much people will want to see me with this but th this took hours by the way um, <laughs> this is actually the, the fruit of another creative project. My, my wife is a music teacher and, and she's actually watching this. So hi, my tech. And she, for her Christmas concert, she made 30 cardboard hats and I was Santa's little helper. So I helped make them. So we had a lot of cardboard and I was like, Hey, let's give some of this a second life and turned it into a Warhammer. Um, anyway, we will have to do another one of these because there's plenty more that we could cover and a lot more angles that we can tease out. I'm sure we could bring some other folks on here too. And, and perhaps at some point could even maybe play a game together. Uh, Fabian, you recently bought something that's easy to play. Oh yeah. The, uh, starter kit, the essentials kit. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 But I think we would need an online platform for this. So yeah. Yeah. We'll have to figure that out. But anyway, there's, there's a will, there's a way. Yeah, I was say, where there's a will, there's a way. Thank you all very much and look forward to talking to you soon.